Good afternoon, everyone. This is Guru and the Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast coming at you. We have four more capsules to go. Doing Seattle Seahawks next. Tampa Bay Buccaneers after that. So a couple of real talented teams that we'll be tackling. Uh, Wiz, uh, we, we were on a, a group text uh, before with our one of our leagues and... Uh, as we talked about yesterday, this uh, opt-out has begun in the NFL and humongous news coming out of the Kansas City Chief camp today. Yeah, Damian Williams, um, the, the biggest name certainly uh, to opt out uh, so far and uh, assuming that there's going to be many more to come. i um, not sure how uh, prominent fantasy football-wise they'll be, but man, this is... Uh, this is this is a this is a big one. A real, um, you know, uh, it certainly uh, jolts things around in the Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, you know, uh, quest this year. He'll be uh, a player that will, you know, certainly move up the draft boards uh, in snake drafts for sure. Yeah, I was thinking too. You know, uh, for for the Buffalo Bill fans out there. A lot's happened in that division too, um, and, and, and you know, consider over the weekend, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that today. But with, with the Jamal Jamal Adams trade uh, from Seattle, uh, going to Seattle from the Jets, and a, a bunch of guys opting out for the Patriots, uh, you know, just pretty incredible news out there right now. Just absolutely incredible stuff. It's going to keep on happening fast and furious. Uh, you know, we we should we should make people understand that the opt out is not uh, something that's absolutely definitive at just juncture but nonetheless it's happening and it is affecting the landscape and you're going to want to stay in touch and, and understand what's going on and uh Wiz and the guru are here to do that and uh let's uh let's proceed as we were going to proceed here with the seattle seahawks uh, you know um they have one of my favorite fantasy quarterbacks in, in, in Russell Wilson, so I'm, I'm going to go right to the attack because I think he's, you know, for me, he's an automatic top five guy. Uh, I'd like to know if you think of him the same way as I do. Yeah, I certainly do. I mean, it doesn't even matter, like, who, who's on that roster. You know, you know, Doug Baldwin seemed to have such a great connection with him, and then, you know, he he's not there anymore, but Russell Wilson doesn't miss a beat. Um, he's elite. He's, uh, you know, he's, he, he is as good as any quarterback I've seen with keeping his eyes downfield as he is in the open field, like, you know, looking like the threat to run, but he has complete intentions. Unless it's like a third down, a crucial play where he's trying to get a first down. He's, he's not, you know, looking to get six, eight yards with, you know, running the ball. He's looking to hurt you deep down the field. And he's really uh, as good as I've seen with, you know, uh, leaving the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield and making big, big plays in the passing game. So he is, uh, he's, he's a, a sure thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem with somebody who's saying that he's top five. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't argue with that one. I think uh, he's got pretty good surrounding talent, and uh, there's really not much to add to that. I mean, he is—he is what it is. He's just—he's just a sure thing. He could always count on Russell Wilson. Yeah, and you, and you make a very astute point about his ability to look down the field, and and, and even though he runs a little bit less than he did uh, early in his career, he, he's actually a better passer now, and and the and the touchdown numbers 
have increased significantly, um, you know, over 30 touchdowns three years in a row. I love the player. I love his desire. Uh, I, I think he's a great leader on the field, and there's a, there's, there's a lovely chemistry that goes on in Seattle for sure. So, um, you know, the, the, I, I don't really have much, add, much to add there. You know, you know how I'm, I'm kind of the president of the Russell Wilson fan club here, so. Yeah, when you go right to uh, the running game, and, uh, boy, it looked like, you know, Rashard Penny – was really starting to pick up some traction. It was always some thoughts, ah, he's a more talented player than Chris Carson. He'll unseat him as the starting running back. And, and finally, you know, they, it seemed that his confidence was going and the Seahawks' confidence in Rashard Penny was, was growing. And then he had that gruesome, gruesome injury um, at kind of towards the end of the season last year. He's most likely going to start the season on the pup list. Um, but Chris Carson... Um, he's a, a very good running back, and 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 he does, and he's a perfect match for what the Seahawks want to do. But he has really started developing a bad case of the of you know fumbleitis here, and um, you know the ball was jarred from him many many times last year, and uh, he's got to shore that thing up. But he's rock solid, and the Seahawks. Uh, signed uh, Carlos Hyde this year um, in the offseason to, I guess at this point, be Chris Carson's backup. But Chris Carson's rock solid. Um, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, he's right around uh, a case to be made, right around the top 12, 15 running backs, uh, maybe even inside that, depending on uh, who you talk to. But So I'm talking to you, and uh, where do you have Chris Carson? So I would look at Chris Carson as the probably the ideal number two back, and I think you know I think you articulated the, the situation in Seattle very well. They they additionally drafted um, actually they have, they have Travis Homer and they drafted uh, DJ um, DJ Dallas from from Miami as well. So so those two kids are running around too. I hated the injury to Penny. I I I, I really like Penny as a player, and that was not a fun injury to watch. But but. But Carson's done so much as a seventh rounder. Save the fumbles. I mean, I don't like fumbles. It's a good thing that Pete Carroll's not as uh, uh, vengeful as as Bill Belichick when it comes to that because he has trotted them back out there. But it starts to become an issue if it becomes if it becomes a continuing issue. But but overall, in, in his first two full seasons as a starter, you know, each of the years Carson's gone over 1,100 yards. He catches the ball a little bit. He's had. Nine touchdowns in each of the last two years. It's hard to ignore that production. It's borderline number one running back. Uh, but I would call, I don't see most people rank him that way. But I think he's just an absolutely ideal number two guy. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything you just said. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think, you know, ideally, if you're in a, if you look at your fantasy team and you have Carson as your number two back, I think you're in probably really, really good shape. That's about where he should be. Um, and he's, uh, you know, they, they're going to feed him the ball. Uh, they set everything up through that run game, and uh, he's solid. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I think this is a perfect spot for Carlos Hyde as well because I am not a fan of Carlos Hyde being the number one running back. Um, but in this type of role where he could come in and kind of like spell Carson and run really hard knowing that he's not going to be getting, you know, a lot of carries, I think this could suit him well 
and uh, it's kind of a good fit for the Seahawks. And um, I guess until I hear otherwise about Penny, I'm just going to assume that he's going to miss a, um, a, a, you know, at least first six, seven games of the season. So would you agree that at this point, the direct handcuff to uh, Carlson would be Carlos Hyde? Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think uh, Carlos Hyde surprised us a little bit in Houston last year, right? He picked up his first 1,000-yard season. I, I think he's in a good spot here. He's a he's a professional running back. This is his third team now, right? He spent a little time with the Browns. Uh, well, actually, fourth team now, right? Started with San Fran, then then to the Browns, uh, then to the Texans, and, and, and now with uh, Seattle. So a good spot. I think he's a direct handcuff for sure. Um, and a good veteran and a steady pair of hands. You know, he's he's not the sexiest guy in the world, but he gets the job done. Uh, yeah, he is. He's 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 pretty solid. In his and role, I think you I know, think you know, the one thing. Uh, and sorry to interrupt you here. You know, the, the Seahawks are are really a team that does, even though they have a very talented quarterback, they averaged 30 rushes a game last year. So there's there's plenty of action to go around for for another guy in this backfield. Um, so, you know, you could easily see a situation where, you know, maybe, you know, Carson t- touches it 18 times and, you know, sticks, you know, Hyde gets in there and sticks his nose in there for eight to nine carries and a couple of carries, of course, from maybe some of the receivers and Russell Wilson himself. Yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, I think both guys will certainly uh, can contribute this year. Um, so to go to the to the wide receiver group and. Um, T.J. Lockett and Metcalf are our former one-two punch, and uh, boy, it seemed that Metcalf was gaining confidence with each game, and and and, and seeing that Russell Wilson was gaining confidence in that player as the season was going on. Uh, you know, I know uh, we both like Lockett, but uh, you know, do you see kind of a changing of the guards there, where only well, a second-year player, but maybe another year or two that. Metcalf becomes the number one guy there. I mean, he's big and strong. I mean, I, he and 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 fast. Uh, he's you know not quite AJ Brown, but he's not far off. Uh, he's a good player. And uh, what are your thoughts on that duo? So when I think of talented duos in the league, you know, I immediately think about Godwin and Evans. I think about Julio and Calvin Ridley, um, you know, guys like that as being, you know, the, the top kind of pairings together. I don't think the Lockett-Metcalf pairing is that far behind. You know, I think the great thing about Lockett and Metcalf is certainly they're, they're very different in stature. Um you know, one, you know, Metcalf, a, a big guy, 6'4", 230, you know, running a 4'340". You know, Lockett's a bit more diminutive. But, boy, Russell Wilson trusts Lockett. And, and you know, you want to talk about when Wilson's trying to get get out of a, a mess. He seems to find a knack of finding Lockett like he used to find Dougie Baldwin. And it's interesting. I was looking at this. From completion percentage to uh, – Tyler Lockett was number two in the NFL just behind uh, Mike Thomas and Drew Brees. So, so there's a lot of confidence in that relationship. So I'd hesitate to jump the gun. I just think, I think this is easily a combination where both players could be over a thousand yards this year. And there'll be games where one guy wins you a game and games where the other guy wins you a game. I think they'll kind of take turns in that depending on how, how, how game flow is, but I love both of these receivers. And, you know, as you noted later in the year, uh, Metcalf got stronger and stronger. 
stronger. He had that big playoff game against the Eagles, over 160 yards and seven catches in that game. So I, I like what I see there. You know, something happened to Lockett, if you remember. He, he was off to an unbelievable start, and then he got nicked up a little bit, and he was almost being used as a decoy at times. So, so yeah. yeah it, I, think he got, I think he got hurt in that Sunday night game. It was a game, and he was just, like, sitting on the bench. And, yeah, he, he seemed to – it seemed to take him a while to recover, and uh, he, I think he was playing through an injury. So ooh, how do you see it? Do you see – Lock it, you know, as a wide receiver too, where he's kind of like in that twenty to twenty-five range or twenty to thirty, and kind of Metcalf a little bit behind that. I mean, do you have Lockett as a wide receiver one, or do you have him kind of like more as a wide receiver two and Metcalf at three? Uh, look, I think beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. You know, for me, I like these two guys. I think they can both fall in that kind of 10 to 20 range when you're looking at the top 20 receivers. I think both guys can easily fit there. As I mentioned, those top duos, I think these guys slide right in that spot. That's where I would rank both those guys. I would I would give a small nudge ahead for Lockett at this point in time, but would it surprise me if, if Metcalf had better fantasy numbers at the end of the year? No, it would not. Okay, yeah, that's a high ranking. Both players, like, inside the top 20, that's that's that's... Well, that's- I- that's a high ranking. For I, I look at the I rest mean. of the receiving core. Now, things could change a little bit here. Like, we, we know, I don't, I hate talking about Josh Gordon because this has been one of the biggest tease players in the history of NFL. And I know there's been Antonio Brown sightings with Russell Wilson. So, that could change the dynamics here should the Seahawks decide to bring one of those guys in. You know, one thing I was looking at. Well, two things I was looking at. First off, this offense ranks in the top five or top seven, excuse me, in explosive plays, both rushing and and receiving. So they're clearly doing something right. But when you look at the third receiver option, right now it's Philip Dorsett. And if you were to put one of those guys in the equation, it certainly would switch around the dynamics in this receiving core. Uh, but I'm, I'm, ass- I'm assuming right now that neither of those two players step up. And if they do, who knows how long they last. Yeah, I think the, the Seahawks are kind of like searching and searching and searching to try and get a third guy, um, you know, and they just haven't been able to do it. I know they got Dorsett in there, and like you said, Gordon and Antonio Brown are linked with the Seahawks, but assuming that none of that comes to fruition, um, yeah, certainly Lockett and Metcalf are, are key guys to draft, and uh, moving to the tight end position, I like this spot for Greg Olson. Um, I think that, you know, last year was a complete disaster for him, and now you have a player... You know, going from Kyle Allen to Russell Wilson throwing in the ball, and it's kind of like a Greg Olson with like a chip on his shoulder, considering how things ended with Carolina. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Greg Olson is going to finish in the top 12, but I'm not saying he's not either. Um, I think you know he's he he could be one of those guys that people completely forget about. They let you get him for a dollar at an auction draft, or they let you get him in the 15th round of the snake draft because, you know, people think he's he's washed up or whatever. But I just don't think you can um, underestimate. I, I, I don't think, you know, you can, you can value in enough the difference of going to Russell Wilson, who has made lesser tight ends in terms of ability look good 
uh, you know, like Will Disley and uh, and some of these other guys over the last couple of years can look like, wow, you know, they're 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 being productive at the tight end spot. I think there's a real chance for Greg Olson to uh, to be a real sleeper at that position this year. Uh, I, you know, I remember I teased you last year in, uh, in one of the drafts. You, you drafted two old men. In, uh, remember I teased you about that? You drafted Olsen. Yeah, yeah, I t- yeah. You tell them who I drafted. I drafted you, Greg Olsen. You, Olsen and Delaney Walker. <laughs> Right, and I think I called him a geriatric crew at tight end. But um. yeah, yeah, I both got both guys for the for the minimum. But I was figuring, you know, between two of them, uh, you know, uh, one would emerge. But you know, uh, Cam Newton going down, it was a disaster at quarterback for Carolina, uh, and Brandon Walker was having trouble staying on the field. But with this switch, I don't know. What do you think about Greg Olson? You think he's? Uh, you know, could could emerge and be a little bit of a sleeper, or you don't like the fact that, uh, you know, another year of aging for him? So we, we know he's signed a contract with Fox to broadcast games for them whenever his career ends. Um, let, let's see what the success brings his team. He's, he's certainly a, a polished professional receiver. To your point, I, I was looking closely at this. The combination of Will Disley, who I loved before he got uh, had that Achilles injury, Jacob Hollister, who was a uh, cast off from the Patriots, and Nick Vanette last year. Do you know how many balls the three of those guys caught combined last year? Yeah, I mean, Will Disley before he got hurt was like becoming like a, you know, like a real fantasy star in some yep. of these things. I mean, I know you were uh, you were fired up about him. I, I was fired. up. Those three guys caught eighty-one balls last year. Yeah, it's surprising. I mean. He loves throwing to the tight end, and uh, so yeah, I think there's you know you know some you could do worse than drafting Greg Olson as your tight end. I think this year, and uh, if if you get him for next to nothing, um, I think it's worth it. If he just shows that his best days are behind him, you could just drop the player. But if he does emerge and if he does start playing well and he has that connection with Russ Wilson, uh, and he becomes that third passing option, uh, receiving option for Russ Wilson uh, after Metcalf and Lockett, yeah, I think there could be some real value there, and you're really getting the player for not much at all. And I think, you know, maybe it's possible that Olsen's success could be predicated on the on on them not getting Gordon or Antonio Brown here, where behind Lockett and Metcalf, there really isn't a lot, even though our boy Ricky just in one of all these, kept that guy Jaron Brown last year. But, you know, Dorsett's okay. Uh, you know, so if you don't sign Gordon or, um, or Antonio Brown, it's a rather thin receiving core. And I think Olsen becomes, you know, uh, at times he could become option two in the passing game uh, on a game-to-game basis. Yep. I think is I think uh, Olsen, with the dynamics there, makes for an interesting uh, flyer, if you will. Um and, uh, you know, the Seahawks, I, I, I wasn't thrilled with their team. I thought that was a team that you could bet under in terms of wins, especially without having, you know, the crowd there for their home field advantage. And then they make that trade. So tell us, Jamal Adams goes to the Seahawks. What does that do for the Seahawks in terms of the defense special teams? Does that put them 
inside the top 12, at the fringe of the top 12. Have at it. You're a defensive specialist wizard, if you will. Where, where, where does the signing of Jermon Adams put the Seahawks or the trade to, to, to the Jets, the Seahawks with the Jets uh, put the Seahawks defense, special teams yeah, in I, your I, mind? I, I guess I, I want to see what happens. You know, do they have enough money to still sign someone like Clowney, who, you know, I know he didn't have a lot of sacks last year, but, you know, he's a presence on, 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 the, on, the, on the defensive line. So I'll have to see what happens there. But, you know, still Bobby Wagner is still there. K.J. Wright is there. Um, they, they have uh, Shaquille Griffin in, in, in the secondary. But Jamal Adams is, is a great player. He's got a big mouth, and he's a pain in the ass. And I think that trade in the long term probably ends up helping both teams. I think the Jets probably are, are, are happy about what they got as a result as well. But I don't know if it's a top 12 defense, uh, but it's probably pretty darn close. And I think if you added Clowney to it, you'd probably get a lot of people that would push them into the top 12. That, that would be my take on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see, but he's certainly a player who you know knows how to be around the football, and make plays. He can rush the quarterback, get back there, and make tackles, cover. I mean, he he really does it all. He's a, he's a he's a he's a great uh, player and uh, a young player as well. So interesting trade. We'll see how that works out for the Jets. They get a lot of picks, and um, we'll see how it goes. Anything to add, or we'll want to. Uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks next. I can't believe we're talking about Tom Brady and the Bucks, but we are going to be doing that in uh, just a little bit. But that's all for our Seattle Seahawks summary. Uh, you know, this is a good team. Pete Carroll runs a great show. I, I love the Seahawks. Love the 12th man. It's going to be interesting without that crowd there this year. I don't know if they have restrictions, but that's going to be an interesting dynamic across the NFL. So, Absolutely. All right, Wiz. Good stuff. Check you in a bit. Yep. Thanks.